Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, June 12th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Oh man, guys, it is summer and sports are hot. We have a lot of stuff to go over, so I'm going to jump straight in to the MLB. And the A's are staging a reverse boycott on Tuesday for their game against the Rays. Organizers are calling for fans to come out in droves to show their support for not moving the team to Vegas. This will be a huge feat if they can do this because most of their game's attendance has been put to shame by many AAA franchises. There will also be t-shirts reading sell, indicating what they want the owner to do so that they can find someone who wants to keep the team in Oakland. They're also being given out to the first 7,000 fans that show up. We'll see if the reverse boycott wins out. Also, Yankees announcer John Sterling was in the booth commentating when he got hit by a Red Sox Justin Turner's foul ball. He did not get hit by Justin Turner. He got hit by the foul ball. The more impressive part was that he didn't even skip a beat and kept going with, of course, an ow and actually said, I couldn't believe that hit me. (laughs) It was really funny. The link is on the blog if you want to see that video. He is okay. The Yankees did get the last laugh, though, as they won that game three to one. Sterling was given a baseball signed by Turner and a Band-Aid on it the very next day. Also, some quick highlights for the MLB games this week. I did this last week, and I think it was a hit. So Astros had a grand slam and a season-high 19 hits to topple the Blue Jays 11-4 on Monday. Also, the Rays beat the Red Sox in a makeup game from the second, and that was the that W was the league-leading ninth win for pitcher McClanahan. And spoilers, he also went on to win his 10th W on Sunday. The A's lost their 15th road game in a row after losing to the Pirates on Monday, but that would be the end of that streak as they won the next five games all on the road. That is their second sweep that or their first sweep of the season that they completed against the Brewers to wrap up the week. Blue Jays pitcher Gaussman records his most career K's highs ever at 13 Ks in the game against the Astros to win five to one Rangers infielder Marcus Siemens hit streak finally came to an end at 25 games after he went hitless on Wednesday against the Cardinals that also may be Simeon FYI the Mets racked up about seven losses in a row, including losing to the Braves 13-10, to thanks to the Braves' three-run homer in the 10th, so in extra innings, and losing to the Pirates 14-7. to The Rays extended their win streak to seven before dropping a game to the Rangers on Friday. The Phillies also had a hot streak going of six straight wins before losing to the Dodgers, 0-9, so getting shut out on Friday as well. Padres pitcher Hugh Darvis picked up his 100th career win against the Rockies with a with the help of his teammates as they had five home runs recorded in that game. The close to 500 twins, which means, again, you're like close to being a winning uh, winning team, but you're kind of like in the middle and wins and losses are kind of split. That's what a 500 team means. 
The Twins beat the Blue Jays on Saturday thanks to Correa's second career Grand Slam to aid in a seven-run eighth inning to come back to win 9-4 to over Toronto. The Royals are also currently in a slide of losing six straight games, including sweeps by the Mariners and the Orioles. And then finally, the Red Sox beat the Yankees on Sunday in extra innings to take the series 2-1. to Moving along to college baseball and some college softball. And your girl was in attendance, so I was there to witness it all. And the three-peat was successful. So Oklahoma beat Florida State in just two games to win the Women's College World Series and their third straight national championship. It is their sixth in 10 seasons and their seventh overall for the school. They also never lost a game in the postseason, meaning that their win streak survives into next year and currently sits at 53 wins. So game one was rain delayed and trust me, it went late into the night on Wednesday. It was like, I think it was two hours, an hour at first. And then we went in and we had an inning and a half of the first inning. And then we were delayed almost another hour. So it got late into the night. I think it was 11 PM by the time we got to sleep and it was all Oklahoma. So they put up three runs in the fourth and then another two runs followed that one in each of the next two innings to put the Seminoles away five to zero. Also, batter Haley Lee had a three-run homer snagged by a Florida State player, but it ultimately didn't matter in that game. But the Seminoles brought out their star pitcher on Thursday, and it showed. The Sooners were scoreless until the fifth inning, and Florida State put a run up in the fourth. So they should have, quote-unquote, gotten had four going out of the fourth but outfielder Jada Coleman for the Sooners returned the favor for Florida State robbing them of a three-run home run by a brilliant catch over the wall it was an ESPN top play be sure you check out that you know I linked it in the blog for you so should have been what should have been four to three at that point ultimately ended up being three Two one. Fittingly, Jordy Ball, the pitcher for Oklahoma, closed out that game, and the Sooners win another natty. For baseball, we have Omaha is being set currently, so I can't even say it's set. So let's go over what happened in the Super Regionals to get there. Number two, Florida barely beat number 15, South Carolina. As a matter of fact, both teams were tied 2-2 two to two after the first inning, ended the game with 11 hits apiece, and Florida even had two errors. But the Gators won game one by one. Game two was not as close. The Gators shut out the Gamecocks 4-0, to zero, and they advance in just two games. Unranked Duke upset number seven UVA on Friday, winning this by the same score, actually, as the previous game, five to four. UVA had two costly errors in that game. However, the Cavaliers made up for it in game two, destroying the Blue Devils 14 to four. Duke had 12 hits, but only scored four in that game. Sunday was the winner-take-all game, and UVA lived up to expectations again, winning by 10. Now that, I'll do the math for you, that is outscoring Duke 26-6 to in just those two games. UVA advances. TCU hosted number 14 Indiana State due to the Special Olympics buying up all the hotels in the Indiana State area. How nice of the Horned Frogs except for they did go on to win that series 4-1 to one and 6-4 to four to advance in just the two games. So don't tell me home field advantage does not exist. Horn Frogs on to Omaha. 
Oral Roberts put up eight runs in the third inning alone to go up on the Oregon Ducks, but the Eugene team slowly crawled their way back, scoring two runs, three runs, zero, one, two runs, and finally with a walk-off single in the ninth to beat ORU in the largest comeback in tournament history. That's also snapped Oral Roberts' 21-game win streak. The Golden Eagles did come back to win game two, though, by one. I mean, turnabout is fair play, which left the winner-take-all game for Sunday, and ORU would not be denied. They beat Oregon 11-6 to in what is technically not an upset, as they had the better record going into the postseason, but certainly seems like like it with a big name like Oregon involved. ORU advances to their second College World Series ever. This other only other appearance was in 1978. They are the lowest seed to make the tournament since 2012's Stony Brook advance to Omaha. Also, number one, Wake Forest barely snuck out of their matchup with number 16 Alabama on Saturday, only winning by one in a great game that went back and forth. And that was we were tied at the bottom of the fourth, three to three, before Wake Forest had a solo home run in the fifth and an earned run in the sixth. Bama then tried to rebound with a home run in the eighth, but never got the rally going. And then the wheels came off on Sunday. Wake showed why they have only lost 10 games all season. They won 22 to 5. Holy Lord. 11 runs were on the books. That was 8 to 3 by the end of the third inning. And of the 22 runs scored by Wake, 18 were recorded on nine home runs. Nine home runs ties the NCAA record as the most in a game in postseason. Wake Forest is in their first College World Series since they won the entire thing in 1955. Number five, LSU put the beat down on number 12, Kentucky, winning game one 14 to zero. Yikes. The Tigers also went on to win game two without a whole lot of drama. That game was a little bit back and forth until about the third inning when LSU pulled away and put the finishing touch on a three-run ninth inning to seal the College World Series bid. Unranked Texas was down two to five in the ninth inning of game one before they rallied with a five-run inning to pull out the win over number eight Stanford seven to five. Stanford then came back in game two, though, with 15 hits to put up 18 runs to Texas's three. So we move on to game three on Monday, a.k.a. today, and that game is still going on as I record this, and it's pretty late here. So TBD on that matchup. And then Southern Miss took a big name Tennessee down in game one, five to three. But in game two, the other Golden Eagles, yes, there's two teams in this whole matchup that's called the Golden Eagles. They made four errors to lose four to eight. And we head to a winner take all game Monday today for their matchup. That game hadn't even started when I started writing this down, but is has started now. It is not complete. So that will have to wait until next week's weekly update. Moving along to NBA Finals and what feels like forever, it will finally be done as by next week's weekly update, we will have the next NBA champion as this week we saw game three and game four only. So starting with game three, as it was tied 1-1 going into that game, game three even started even, but the Nuggets pulled away with the help of Jokic's triple-double. 
Then the Nuggets continued their dominance in game four, leading by only four at half, but then by 13 after the third. They play game five tonight, and the Nuggets could pull it off and finally get their first NBA championship. We will know by the end of the week. And then just in a little extra NBA news, in a Quote unquote bit, Connor McGregor sent the Heat mascot to the hospital. McGregor was announcing his TDL body spray, who was becoming an official sponsor of the Heat, and was supposed to punch the mascot Bernie to the floor and then punch him on the floor, which he did, but apparently it was a little too hard. He is fine and has been released from the hospital with pain medication, but talk about a not super funny bit. Over the last week, it was absolutely the news that broke the internet on Tuesday. The PGA Tour, the DP Tour, and the Live have all merged together to become one unified league name to be announced. Now, there are still plenty of questions that are coming out out of all of this, but as everything does, this all came down to money. The PGA Tour simply could not afford to keep paying the lawsuits with the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, and that fund has over $620 billion, with a B, in assets. So the PIF will be the investor behind the new league. They also, the PGA Tour was spending millions of dollars fighting lawsuits with them, as well as upping all their purses with something very similar to the live where there's no cuts and all of that as well. So they were kind of in an arms race with what seems like an unending bank account. So the big question is what happens to those 30 PGA tour golfers that were lured away with big checks? Well, so far, Nothing. It looks like they may not be able to play in the Ryder Cup, but will be allowed back into tournaments with relatively open arms. Although it may be begrudging open arms, it will still be open arms. Apparently, the players didn't even know that this announcement was coming as they were kept completely in the dark about this decision. Again, lots of TBDs still to figure out, but you know I will keep you posted as all of these updates drop but this definitely changed the world of golf as Liv did just about two years ago and again now we will see what will end up being one huge super competitive and wildly entertaining league in much smaller news LA Golf Club will be the first team in the new virtual golf league started by Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy the Williams sisters are part owners in this team and this six three person team format will be played 18 holes on a virtual course to take place on Monday nights during prime time. That is all still being worked out as well. So I assume that league will be completely separate as it is mostly a virtual league. But moving on to the actual PGA results from the weekend and Nick Taylor won the RBC Canadian Open, making him the first Canadian to win the Canadian Open since 1950. Four. He won in a four-hole playoff against Tommy Fleetwood and won with a 72-foot eagle putt. Fleetwood could have put it all away with a birdie on the very reachable par 5, 18th, but his tee shot went wide right and he couldn't get up and down, so we headed to a playoff. Also, that is Taylor's 72-foot eagle is his longest putt made ever on the PGA Tour, so what a time to do it. He has only won three times on the tour and hasn't won since 2020's Pebble Beach Pro-Am. His other win was way back in 2014, the Sanderson Farms. 
Fellow Canadian Adam Hadwin ran onto the green with champagne, spraying all over to celebrate with his buddy when he literally got tackled by security. Again, you know I have the video clip on the blog, so go check that out. The last Canadian-born Canadian to win was actually back in 1914 with Carl Kiefer. We have another set of playoffs this week, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the Golden Knights put the beat down on the Panthers in game two, winning seven to two. And it was four to zero at the end of the second alone. And they ended up winning by three. So even though they started off 0-2, the Panthers managed to fight back in game three to win 3-2 in overtime. The Florida team scored in the third to tie it up with only three minutes to go in the entire game and then only took about 427 in overtime to get it done and get their first W to avoid the sweep. Now, the script flipped for game four. Vegas took the W 3-2 to two to take the series 3-1 to one lead. The Golden Knights could put it all away on Tuesday. So we actually could only have a little bit of news to update you from Monday and Tuesday if the Nuggets win and if the Golden Knights win. We also had the final leg of the Triple Crown for horse racing this week. And after all the bad news surrounding the horse racing world, we were due for some good news. And I'm going to give it to you. Archangelo, the horse that won the Belmont Stakes, the final event of the Triple Crown, was trained by Jenna Antonucci. This is the first time a Triple Crown winner was trained by a female. Now that is the 155th running of the Belmont Stakes alone. So since 1937, 30 women have tried to win a triple crown, but none have succeeded until now. Also, the jockey Castellano was also winless in 14 tries at the Belmont, but won on his 14th attempt. If you are like, wait, that name sounds really familiar. That is because he won his first Kentucky Derby around a month ago on his 16th attempt. So apparently lightning does strike twice. Archangelo held off a late charge by a couple of horses, including Forte, a favorite in the race. So congratulations to that women-led team and Archangelo. And we have concluded the Triple Crown for 2023. In Olympic sports news, we have quite a bit of track and field news as it was NCAAs in track and field this weekend. So you know that's what I was watching after we won the national championship in softball. Like I said, it was a really busy sports weekend. And so Arkansas was trying to do something that had never been done before, sweep the entire championship season. So indoor and outdoor in both men and women. They were successful in having the men and women sweep the indoor championships. Now they just had to do it outdoors and they looked to be in good form. However, it was not meant to be. On the men's side, the team competition was so close. It actually came down to the final event, the 4x4, and all Arkansas had to do was get fourth or better if Florida won, and then they managed to get last. To add insult to injury, the Florida men managed to set the collegiate record in the mile relay to boot. 
On the women's side, not the case for the team competition. The Texas Longhorns had it wrapped up after the 200 meters with still three events to go. This was particularly sweet for them as they had come in second multiple years in a row and then got to win the title on their home track. Now, multiple records would have been broken, but the wind picked up on Saturday, so a lot of times and jumps and everything were non-allowable. Anything over two is not allowed. So times and jumps did not count. However, Thursday, the Longhorn ladies set the four by 100 meter relay record again for the second time, at least the second time this season. Jillian Alfred was the MVP as she swept the 400 four by 100 meter relay, the 100 meter and the 200 meter dash. She's the first Longhorn to sweep since I was born, literally 1991. Florida's Jasmine Moore did manage to break the triple jump record in a wind-allowed jump of 48 feet and 6 inches. Moore had been the favorite and the reigning long jump and triple jump champion from indoors, and she was foiled in the long jump earlier in the weekend, but came back to win in record fashion in the triple. No other records were broken, like I said, due to the wind. And finally, in other disappointing news for the Razorbacks, Arkansas's Britta Wilson, Britton Wilson, tried to do the impossible, literally, and complete the 400-meter dash and 400-meter hurdle double. But it literally showed that it cannot be done. She finished second in the 400 meters to a Texas Longhorn and then finished sixth in the 400 meter hurdles. That was a huge upset. She had been light years ahead of everybody in the 400 meter hurdles. So it, I really think it just cannot be done. Even the announcers were like, this seems impossible. So congratulations, Britton Wilson on an amazing season. And yeah, I, I applaud the courage to attempt such a killer double. That was not the only track and field going on this weekend as records went down all over the place in Paris during, during the Diamond League event. Starting with Kenyans, Faith Kipyegon broke the 5,000-meter world record on Friday and beating the previous world record holder in the process. She set a new time of 14 minutes, 5 seconds, point twenty, lowering the mark by 1.4 seconds. And what's even more outstanding is that Kip Yegon had not run a 5,000-meter race competitively in eight years. Also, if her name sounds familiar, that's because she set the 1,500-meter world record less than 10 days ago. Heading over to another 1,500-meter world record holder, Norway's Jacob Ingebrigtsen crushed the two-mile world record on Friday, running 7 minutes, 54 seconds, 10, beating the old record set in 1997 by more than four seconds. That does not happen at these distances, people. Ingebrigtsen is known for being the reigning 1,500-meter Olympic champion. And then finally, Ethiopia's Lemecha Grima broke the 3,000-meter steeplechase world record from 2004 by a full 1.5 seconds. Her time and the new world record is 7 minutes 52.11. That is three new world records on Friday alone. You can't make this stuff up. Also, we have a little bit, and I say a little bit, very um, 
lightly because the other huge headline from this week besides in the world of golf was that Argentinian soccer star Lionel Messi is going to the MLS more specifically to enter Miami and leaving PSG Paris Saint-Germain that he has played for for a while the legend will play in the U.S. league till 2026 when we host we being North America host the World Cup Inter Miami is literally in last in the MLS as well, but the seven-time Ballon d'Or winner coming to your team ought to help. It is rumored that he will get a percentage of the club and TV deal for joining. This is kind of the first time that we're really seeing this profit sharing going on and owning equity in the team, the league, the TV deal. Conveniently, Apple TV, which hosts many MLS games, announced a Messi documentary just one day before the announcement by Messi. Supposedly, his debut will be July 21st. So huge news for U.S. soccer fans. We will get to see the legend in action. And then finally, to wrap up the weekly update, like I said, we had a lot of stuff, y'all. The French Open concluded this weekend, and there was plenty going on. On the women's side, Poland's Iga Swiatek beat the lone remaining American Coco Goff in straight sets, and frankly, it was not close. Iga showed why she is number one. She won 6-4, 6-2 against Coco. Then unranked Czech Republic Karolina Machova had a huge upset of Belarus's Sablenka in a very close match. That match actually went into tiebreakers in the first two sets that were split exactly even, like same scores and everything, and then went 7-5 to five in the final for Machova to win. So it was Poland's Iga versus Iga Swiatek versus Czech Republic Muchova in the final on Saturday. And frankly, Swiatek won handily in the first 6-2. to two, But Muchova came back nicely to win 7-5 to five before losing the final set and thus the match 6-4. to four. Swiatek successfully defends her French Open title. This is her third French Open title and fourth Grand Slam overall. And then on the men's side, we have a new goat on the men's side of the tennis world as Djokovic won his 23rd Grand Slam title as he wins his third French Open title. So he beat Norway's Casper Ruud in straight sets to take the win. Ruud did take the first set to tiebreakers and the third set was 7-5, to five, but realistically, the semifinals were more challenging for Djokovic. He faced Alcaraz and still only dropped one set. So Rude destroyed Zeverev to make it to the final 6-3-6-4-6-0. And so we complete the French Open with two previous winners and both now have three French Open titles. That concludes what happened over the last week. Now let's go over what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. And as always, we start with the MLB on Tuesday. It is the battle for New York Yankees at the Mets at 610 on TBS. Then you can catch game two of that matchup on Wednesday at six on ESPN. And that will be a pitching battle as Cole and Verlander are scheduled to start that game. Also on Wednesday, White Sox at the Dodgers at nine on ESPN. Thursday, catch the Angels at the Rangers at 7.05 on Fox Sports 1. Otani will be the pitcher that game. Friday, have a couple games on Apple TV+. Plus. Saturday, catch the Angels at the Royals at 3.10 on Fox Sports 1. Saturday, you can either catch the Yankees at the Red Sox 
or the Rays at the Padres at 6.15 on Fox. And then rounding out Saturday, the Guardians at the Diamondbacks at 9.10 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Sunday, wrap it all up with the Orioles at the Cubs at 12.05 on Peacock and the Yankees at the Red Sox at 6 on ESPN. So the Yankees have two good matchups of kind of like old school names in the baseball world with the Mets and the Red Sox this week. In NCAA baseball, we had two games going on tonight that are still going. Again, that's the Longhorn, Stanford, and Southern Miss matchups. So that will determine who will make the Omaha and College World Series. But the College World Series will begin on Friday. So the College World Series game one will be at one on ESPN, followed by game two at six. Saturday, catch game three at one, and then game four at six. Again, all of these are teams TBD because we don't know who actually made them yet. Then Sunday college world series game five, which is the losers of game one and two at one on ESPN and then college world series game six, which is the winners of game one and two at six on ESPN. And then we will continue into the week after in the NBA, the finals continue game five tonight, Monday, the Heat at the Nuggets, so we return to Denver at 7.30 on ABC. If the Nuggets do not get it done tonight, the Game 6 will be played in Miami on Thursday. That will be at 7.30 on ABC. And then finally, if they manage to tie up the series, we'll have Game 7 on Sunday at Denver at 7 on ABC. Last week of the USFL this week as well. So Saturday, catch the pit. Maulers versus the New Jersey Generals at noon on USA, followed by the Birmingham Stallions versus the Memphis Showboats at three on Fox. Then Sunday, NOLA versus Houston at three on Fox Sports One, followed by Philly versus Michigan at six on Fox. Again, this is the last regular week, regular season week for the USFL. It is also a major championship week for golf. So we will see the full slate of players in action at the U.S. Open starting Thursday with round one. You can catch that at noon on USA and then changing over to NBC at seven. Same goes for Friday for round two. So again, that's noon USA and 7 p.m. on NBC. You may be asking, why is it so late? That is because the U.S. Open is at L.A. Country Club this year. So it is on the West Coast, which is why that time is so late. Saturday, catch round three of the U.S. Open at noon, starting on NBC and staying on NBC. Sunday, catch the final round also at noon on NBC. The LPGA, Meyer LPGA Classic will be at one on CBS as well. The Stanley Cup Finals continue this week. Tuesday, Game 5, the Panthers at the Golden Knights, and if Vegas can put it away, we'll be done. They will play at 7 on TNT. If necessary games, Game 6 will be on Friday at the Panthers, and then they will play at 7 on TNT. And then finally, Monday will be Game 7 if needed. Panthers at the Golden Knights also at 7 on TNT. This week is Formula One, the Canadian Grand Prix at 1 p.m. on Sunday. That will be visible on ABC. And we do have a little bit of Olympic sports track and field, the Oslo Diamond League. And the Diamond League has been obviously hot this year. So starting that is Saturday. You can catch that at noon on CNBC. 
And then finally for soccer, we have a couple of UEFA matches going on, including the final, which will be on Sunday at eight on Fox Sports One. We also have a NWSL game, the San Diego Wave versus Angel City. That will be on Saturday at three on CBS. I know it was a long episode, but even I had trouble catching up on everything that went on over the last week. I also want to give a huge shout out to my girl, Pippi Lotta Enoch, who won the national championship in the heptathlon, the first Sooner to do it. So congrats, girl. As always, check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports for more, and I'll catch y'all next week.